we just thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your presence here this morning, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we just rejoice in the thank blood you. of Jesus, Lord, for salvation, Lord, and for healing, Lord, for forgiveness, Lord. Oh, for restoration, yes. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you paid Bless the price, you. and we just rejoice in you this morning. And thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid this morning, Lord. Oh, you're good and you're faithful, thank Lord. Thank now, you. Father God, speak through Pastor Paul. Holy yes, Spirit, sir. speak through him. Put the word of the Lord in his mouth, Lord, and give us ears Hallelujah. to hear and hearts to receive it, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Bless you. We're so glad you're here today. You're glad to be here. Amen. God is so good all the time. All right, let's take care of a little bit of business real quick if we can. This, this morning we have deacon elections. Inside your bulletin you should have a ballot need everybody that's a member and is 18 years old that does not have a ballot to raise your hand up because we need to we need to vote. We've got a few little few of you all over. Keep your hands up until we get this. It's going to be very very quick. Keep your hands up if you don't have one. Got one right here, one over, a few over here. Judah, you eighteen. <laughs> All right. If you see on the ballot there, it just has two names. It's just a yes/no vote. Check yes or no for both names, and please sign your name. The signature is just a way of us verifying that you are 18 and um, a member. And if you do not sign it, it will not be counted. Okay? Are you done? Pass them to the center of the aisle, and the ushers will come up and pick them up. Thank you for doing that. And by the way, if you voted in the first service, don't vote in the second. Hey, bud, see if that's one right there on the... Okay, thank you. They got it? All right, enough of that. God is good. God, Jesus' blood is where it's at, church. I don't know if you've realized, but that's about what all we sang about this morning. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus is where it's at. It's my only hope. It's the only thing that can wash the sin that I have committed in my life. And praise God, it's there for me. 
Praise God, we've learned in the last few weeks that Jesus loved me even when I was a sinner. That I'm his creation, and he has me in mind, and he has you in mind. Did you know that the God of all creation is thinking of you? And he loves you. He loves you. It is his good pleasure to bless you. While we come to the cross is to clean ourselves up and come before a king that is worthy. Our king is worthy. That's why we come in here to this place. Is to realize we're not king. And we're not God. And to proclaim out of our mouth as a corporate body that God is our God. And that we receive him and that we serve him. And that we believe in him. And that we access the blood of Jesus in this place. The blood of Jesus is not dead and is not forgotten. It is a place for us to remember and to access. And it's time that we start moving into victory and quit getting beat up. Amen? God's children is not a children that gets beat up. God's children are victorious children. Those that seek Him and seek His face and trust Him live in victory. Not in failure and not in depression and not in rejection and not in the ditch. My calling is not in the ditch. I have a calling and you have a calling. And all things work for good to those who love Him and are called to His holy purpose, which you are. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a calling. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're getting a call today. You ever heard of coaches talk about answering the phone? That's a big expression in a coaching world. When the phone rings, you answer it. That means when you have an opportunity as a player, you better answer the phone. Because if you don't, somebody else will. Well, that, that, that analogy doesn't exactly work. But when God's phone calls, you need to answer. And I can tell you right now that the Lord is working on some of you today. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't even know what this word saved means. Maybe you've committed your heart to Jesus or you haven't. But I want you to know the phone's ringing today. And will you answer it? It's the best pickup, the best answered call that you've ever made. Today's the day. Church, you may have known the Lord your whole life. I want you to know the phone's ringing to you today. Will you answer it? It's time to answer the phone, church, and it's time to respond. God is speaking. Would you agree that there are a lot of killjoys in our life? Starting a new series this morning called, Where is the Joy? Well, if you noticed, and we did not script this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, and again, I say, rejoice. It's a command that you have to make to yourself. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, and again, and again. Until it starts to become true. My voice is cracking. Till it starts to become real. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. That's a decision. That's not based on emotion. It's not based on the flesh. It's a decision that I make. The phone is ringing. What decision are you going to make? Good, amen. And answer, I'm going to bless you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Now, what do I do? I got it. Let's go do it.
God is wanting to speak to you just as clearly as your wife calls you on your cell phone, if not clearer. Better reception than, can you hear me now? Good. God's speaking. God's wanting to speak to his children. God's word is fresh. My mother gave a word this morning in first service and again here in second service, and it's fresh. You think that the Lamb of God being slain for our sins is old news. It's not. It's as fresh as the sin you committed yesterday. Hallelujah. Oh, I need, I'm wanting to sing some James Brown. I feel good. I just wish I could do the dance. I can't, and I won't do it. Zach can? Whatever. <laughs> you need joy in your life. In a world where you can lose your job, you can lose your 401k, you can lose your home and your mortgage in the same day, this is a world that needs joy. You need joy. It's not some just casual thing that would be nice to have. You have a fundamental emotional need for joy in your life. Life without joy is overwhelming. Life without joy is overburdened. Life without joy is oppressive. It's depressive. Studies have shown that the more joy we have in our lives, the more productive are we in our lives? I read an article in the U.S. News and World Report that says that corporations are now hiring joy consultants to kind of pop up and build up the joy in people's lives so the employees can be more productive. Now, I want you to catch something. The world's not afraid to use guidelines or principles that work, even if they're godly principles. The world has no problem with doing that. And they use godly principles all the time. The, the difference is they just don't give God the glory. But regardless, you use God's principles, they will work. And when the corporate world realizes these people need joy, they go and figure out a way to get them joy. We as Christians think, oh, the Lord told me to go out and do this. I go out one time and I fail and I think, I must have missed God. No, God just wants you to get after it. You know, it took 2,000 times to figure out how to make the light bulb. But praise God, he didn't stop. God doesn't want quitters. God wants those with endurance, perseverance. You get a word from God, you need to go after it. If you fall down the first time, that doesn't mean you missed it. Do you have joy in your life? It's true that you have more energy, more creativity more productivity with the more joy that you have in your life. In Psalm 43, it shows us a name of God, El Simkoth Gali. It's as good as I can do. Psalm 43. What does it say in Psalm 43? It says, I am the God of exceeding joy. We have no problem saying, my God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider, when I need provision. Or the Lord is my the Lord is my healer, Jehovah Rophi, I am the Lord your healer. Or I am Jehovah Shalom, I am the Lord your peace. But did you know that God is the God of exceeding joy? You know, 
there are, like I said in the last few weeks, we talked about love masks, things that pose as love that is not true love. Same thing happens with joy. You know, it says in Scripture that sin is pleasurable for a season. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it is not some false strength, things that we put our faith in that have no have no uh, um, benefit or have no uh, rock below them. When the joy of the Lord becomes my strength, it is true strength. And it's not something that fades away. We need godly joy. The church needs godly joy. I want you to know this morning when we were doing Rejoice in the Lord, it is one of my favorite songs, but I could feel joy in this place. And it wasn't just me. When we take a moment, let the words of God to come out of our mouth to express it with clapping or raising our hands and shouting, you know, something starts to happen. I'll bet there was a moment in worship you forgot what your problems were. Why? Because you focused on God. Focus on God. That's what today is all about. It's about focusing on God. When we talk about joy, we go to the book of Philippians, and it's a short book. It's a short uh, book in the New Testament, only four chapters long. But 16 times in the four chapters, Paul says, rejoice, be joyful, enjoy life. 16 times in these four chapters, he uses the word joy. Say joy. Joy. The amazing thing is Paul didn't write this when he was on vacation in the Caribbean. He wasn't kicked back at the beach, reading a book, kayaking or whatever you do, laying out in the sun. He was in prison. He was waiting to be executed. Something that we need to see from today is, is how Paul, in the midst of his storm, lived in joy lived in the presence of God. Can you imagine God speaking to you and how powerfully he spoke to Paul in the midst of his worst times? Or at least the way we look at it as his worst times. I don't think God saw it that way. God sees it as, man, I got you. You don't. You have no idea what, what, with what I'm speaking to you while you're in prison is going to impact the world. In the midst of the storm. God speaks. But here we can see that in the midst of the storm, Paul was talking about joy. In the darkest days of his life, he writes the most positive book in the Bible, and he gives us six foundations for joy. They are the opposite of the joy busters that we live with in our world. They are anecdotes to kill joys of life. And this morning, I want to give you uh, I want to start to give you six foundations for joy. And if you will practice these, if you will not just be hearers, but be doers, you will see this depression cloud removed. Who was that in Charlie Brown that had the cloud always following him? It wasn't Pigpen. Linus? Pigpen had the dust cloud behind him. But one of them always said, maybe it was Snoopy or uh, somebody... Maybe it was the coyote on uh, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner. No matter where he went, the cloud went with him. I don't know. I, I like Bugs Bunny and I like Charlie Brown. But anyway. I know we rebuke SpongeBob. Okay. Um, so, 
But I believe many of you are walking around feeling like you got this rain cloud over you all the time. If you will not just be hearers, but be doers, God will remove that cloud. That cloud is not God's plan for your life. You feel beat down all the time. You you have this victimized way of thinking. No. No, I'm blessed. It's time that we don't just say I'm the head and not the tail. It's time we become the head and not the tail. We can say it all day long until we're blue in the face. But how many have said it and you've not been the head? I have realized my life depends on whether, I, whether I'm going to accept what Jesus Christ did for me and whether I'm going to obey his commandments and allow him to bless me. Then I become the head, not the tail. I become blessed and not cursed. I become blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The things that I put my hands to are blessed. That's what God says about me. To those who hear his word and obey. Are you with me? This is a day about joy. We can have fun today. It's okay to have fun in church. Number one, remove all regrets about my past. Did somebody say, oh, man? Amen, but oh, man's perfect, too. Pastor, are you going to dig that up? Yes, get rid of it. I'm going to give you a reason to get rid of it today. Remove. Another word for this is jettison. And jettison means to throw overboard. Get it off the ship. Why do we do that? Sometimes planes will do it to lighten their load so they can stay stay flying. Did you ever see the Memphis Bell? They're trying to make it. They're out of gas. They're down to one, one motor. And they're throwing their guns off and throwing their ammo off to lighten the load so that the gas will carry them farther. Or maybe in a boat trying to stay afloat. It means to abandon as worthless, to discard, to eliminate, to get rid of. This stuff that is haunting you from your past is weighing you down. It's time we get rid of it. Paul says, if you want to enjoy life, there are some things you got to chuck. There are some things you got to get rid of. Throw overboard because they're wearing you down and they are overburdening your life. Number one, we've got to remove all regrets about our past. We have regrets. We have skeletons in our closet. Why? Because nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. Sir, Conan, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, decided to play a prank on, on some uh, very important people in England. So try to follow me this. He sent an anonymous note to eight of the leaders in England. And basically all it said was, all that's found out, flee at once. And you know what? In the next 24 hours, all eight of them had left the country. He didn't know anything. He just thought this is going to be funny. But yet all these skeletons in their closet, they thought that they had found out. So they took off with nothing, nothing based on it. Now, maybe they had done something. Maybe there was truth that they thought was found out, but nothing had been found out. I'm sure that if we took long enough this morning, we could all find out things about each other that would make us want to leave this service this morning. Amen? Amen. We all have regrets. The problem with regret, though, is it doesn't work. It can't change your past. 
all it does is make you miserable. We get stuck in the land of the if-onlys. If only I had not invested in that. If only I had not said that. If only I had not got up this morning. If only. If I could just redo my life, if I could change things, if I could relive that part. I was uh, talking with some of my baseball parents. I'm coaching my son's baseball team, and one of the dads came up to me and said, you know, it was a sunny day, and it just felt like ball. And if you've ever played baseball or played any sport, you know, sometimes just the smell, you just kind of feel it. He goes, boy, this brings me back to the old days, man. I'm like, what old days? He's like, the days when I used to play, I said, yeah, you know what, I, I can kind of feel that too. Um, but, boy, I'd like to be able to talk to my myself <laughs> if I could. I would love to be able to talk to myself at this age. You know, here at our age, in 10 years from now, we're going to step back and think, boy, I wish I could have talked to myself in, in 2009. You know, we have things that we wished we hadn't done, right? We still do it. And we think, if only. Well, you know what, with, with, with if only. <laughs> You can't change it. It's not going to change by regretting. Regretting is just a waste of time. So what do I do? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, forget it. Once you forget it, you can get on with your life. How do you do that? How can you forget it? You can forget it because God does. The Bible says that when we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I've blown it, I've made a mistake, when we come to Christ and confess our sins to Him, He takes those sins and He throws them into the deepest part of the ocean and He puts up a sign that says, no fishing. And it's a sign that actually has authority. They're not going to go fishing and pull those back up. The Bible says, these sins I will remember no more. Hebrews 10, 17, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That is such an amazing verse. The God of the universe chooses to forget your mistakes once they're confessed. Now, here is the kicker. If God can forget the mistakes and the things that you have in your past, why can't you? Why do you hang on to it? I believe that when we confess our sin to God, when we confess the things that we have to God, but yet we don't let go of it, that we say, Jesus, your blood's not enough. I'm going to hang on to it more. And Jesus says, I have paid for that. I have given my life for that what you confess to me. You have no right to claim that back. It's like if you make your last payment on your car, And the bank shows up six months later and says, wait a minute, we're going to let you pay another six months on your car. What would you say? No, it's my car. It's been paid for. The debt's been paid. It's over. That's what Jesus says. That debt has been paid. And I've paid for it with my blood. Yet you're walking around and you won't forgive yourself. Sometimes in forgiveness, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Is the blood of Jesus not enough? It may really cost you something today, but I would encourage you, don't leave here with that. Leave here. Leave your, leave your sin. Leave this regret from your past up here on the altar. We Sometimes we'll use ba- uh, 
uh, hymnals. And you just take it up and say, this is, what I, this is what this represents, Lord, and I'm leaving it here and I'm not picking it up again. All it's been doing is hurting me. Your regrets about your past is only hurting you. And it's time to let it go. You, it's time for some joy. Amen? Are you ready for some joy? Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget what happened in the past and don't dwell on events from long ago. I am going to do something new. God is wanting to do something new in your life. You just need to get away from your past. It's time to get away from your past. The starting point of joy is to let go of the past, throw overboard all regrets, the grief, the grudges, and the guilt. The second foundation for joy is to omit all your worries, omit all worries about my future. Worry. We talked about regrets of the past. Now we're going to look at the other end of life. If you're going to enjoy the present, you've got to omit the worries about your future. Worry, hands down, is the greatest killjoy of them all. You cannot be joyful and worried at the same time. We've talked about this so many times that worry only makes things worse. Worry will make a molehill into a mountain. Worry won't just make the conditions seem worse. They will make your health worse. Studies have shown that stress and worry will hurt your body physically. It makes sense. God says don't do it. And when we do the things that God says not to do, there is harm for us. Amen? Have you ever had a family member that worries all the time, and if they don't have anything to worry about, they worry about not having anything to worry about? How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good, but I, I, normally I'm worried, and I can't think of what could be coming, but there's probably something coming, and I'm worried about it. And you know what? If you start thinking about what you could be worried about, you'll find something. It's, it's right there at your doorstep, just waiting, knocking, trying to get in. I'm, here's, here's something I can worry about. I was trying to find a quote about worry this morning. And one of the quotes was, nine out of ten things that you worry about never even make it to you. Of the ten things you're worried about, usually 90% of them never even make it to you. Yet you spend all these physical resources, your mind, your efforts, your sleep. You lose sleep over things that really don't have a bit of bearing on your life. Are you with me? Worried. Worry is just as useless as regret. You can't change the past. You can't change the future. In Philippians 3.13, it says, one thing I do is forget what is behind me and do what is do my best to reach what is ahead. Forget what is behind me. That's where we start. Then we don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. You know the Bible says two things two days that we shouldn't worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow. Why? Because there's enough to worry about in today. Right. And I believe when we allow worry to come in, 
that it replaces trust. Worry is a lack of trust. Um, Saturday morning, you know, we had a big storm in the middle of the night, right? A lot of thunder. And um, my third child, Ruth Ann, my seven-year-old, came in our bedroom at 3 o'clock in the morning. And they know not to go to Elizabeth's side because Elizabeth wakes up frantically. <gasps> and I mean, I jump out of the bed. The kids almost pass out, you know, and they're barely awake anyway. And it's, and you know, so they come over to my side. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, there was all this thunder. I said, yeah, I know it. I heard it. It's okay. She said, can I get in the bed with you? And typically we don't let the kids sleep with us. It's very rare. But I said, you know what? Yeah, come on. Get in the bed with us. And I was sitting there talking to God. God, why would you take today? This is Saturday. This is the day I can sleep in. Why would you pick today? Pick another day when, I'm not, when I don't have to sleep in. Not today. But it's key with our children that we teach proper parenting that, you know, being afraid of a storm is normal. It's okay to be afraid of the storm. But she came to where her help was, and will she receive help? And she got in the bed and slept the rest of the night. And that's where we come when we have a problem. We come under the shelter of his wings and we let him have that worry. No longer do I worry about that. I'm under the cover of God. There's no place for worry anymore. Either I'm trusting him or I'm worrying. There is no trust and worry. It's not trust and worry for there. What could next could happen to me? If I'd have faith in Jesus, then I shouldn't worry. I just made that up. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Trust, not trusting. <laughs> Trust and worry. They don't go together. What is that? Uh, love and... Uh, those don't go together either. Trust and knowledge. Trust and worry. It's either we're trusting God or we're not. Are you with me? Did I just lose you because I sang a little bit? You're back there thinking that was kind of pitchy, Randy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was kind of pitchy. Indulgent. <laughs> that was a bad song choice. Thank you. That wouldn't be Paula. You had to be Simon. She's Simon this morning. Paula has nice things to say. That's what you should be saying to me. That was such a pretty song. You look so good. Oh, but when Ruthann stepped in, got into my bed with me, the worry was gone. And you know what? That's a good picture to be able to see that do our children trust us because that's the picture that I'm having to give them so that they'll know how to trust Father God. I am my children's picture of who God is to them. So that really spoke to me as she got in the bed. That's the same thing that we do. We come to God and we come like we do in the middle of the night and come to God's bed and say, I'm scared. Can I get in the bed with you? And he says, yes, I got you. You get right in here with me and I've got it. This is where you needed to be anyway. Now, if we can just learn to apply to Ruth Ann that being in the bed is the same as being in her bed. Daddy's still here. and He's still in full control. But if you need to come back and get in the bed, get in on mommy's side. No, I'm kidding. 
but we just learn we need to learn to apply that over here in her bed. I need her to learn that she can trust God and she can trust me in her bed. That covering is still there. She just needed a little bit of reassurance. We don't have to worry about yesterday or today. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Here's the alternative. Either you can worry or you can pray. And I want to put those, uh, again, I want to make another one. Either you can worry or you can trust. If you're worrying, it means one thing. It means you're not praying. It means you're not trusting. God doesn't say, don't bring me your problems. You had people tell you that. Don't bring me your problems. Nobody wants to hear them here. God says just the opposite. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Let me know what you're going through. And then thank me for all I've done and all I'm going to do. If you're praying, you don't have to worry. Paul says if you want to be filled with joy, you've got to forget the past. You've got to forget the future and focus on the right now. Your right now determines your future. Did you hear that? Your right now determines your future. Quit worrying about the future. The steps of a righteous man are ordered. God is in control of your future. If you will receive him and walk in his ways. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Future is taken care of when we handle the today. Amen. 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 Your right now determines your future because God has a plan for you. This old English word for worry means to choke or strangle. That's what worrying does. Today, the word is necktie. It cuts off the blood from your, uh, from your um, carteret artery. And you can't think straight. Uh-oh. Wardrobe malfunction. You can't think straight. And you do really stupid things. Paul says, omit the worry. Omit the worry. Turn worry into trust. When you get in your car and you want to start worrying again, go to Proverbs 3, 3. Proverbs 3, 5. No, 3, 3 through 5, isn't it? 5 through 6, sorry. There's something before it that's good too. Proverbs. You know what? This This right here is exactly what I'm talking about, is that we take our time and we allow God to move in our life. It says, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my command, my commands. Let your heart keep my commands. There's something different about when you when it comes from your heart. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. You are going to find favor and high esteem from man and from God. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. There is healing. There is healing when we fear the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's only a blessing for you. Am I going too fast? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Man, it just goes on and on. This is kind of a roadmap for how to live your life. Proverbs 3 is a good roadmap for how to live your life. And it's, it's, a, it's a direction. It, it, is a, it is a guidance into blessing. Proverbs 3 is giving you direction to blessing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just ask right now that we would learn to not worry. Lord, worry just replaces you in our life. Lord, that we would learn to not live in our past, not to not forgive ourselves for our past, that we could once and for all walk away from what we've done. Jesus, once we confess it to you, you've walked away from it a long time ago, from the time that we did it. Lord, you paid that price, and it's over. And, Lord, I do not want to negate the blood of Jesus in my life because I want to hang on to something in my past. And, Lord, I don't want to live a life of worry. Lord, I ask that this church body right here not live a life of worry, that we would allow ourselves to trust in you and to get in that bed, Lord. And I don't want to be inappropriate, but, Lord, the the, the, bed, uh, the, uh, the bed of a father to a child uh, appropriately is a safe place. Lord, under the covering of the roof of the father is a safe place. In the presence of the father is a safe place. And Lord, there's no room for worry in your presence. But there is fullness of joy. Scripture says in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy of joy. And Lord, that's what Ruth Ann was able to experience is she had she had fear, but she came into the presence of the Father. And Lord, it gave her peace and it gave her rest. And Lord, I desire that for my children, I desire that for me and my family, I desire that for this church that we would trust you. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you say, "Pastor, I have never heard anything like this before." I have never made a commitment to you, Jesus. You say, Pastor, I've never given my heart to Jesus. Well, I want to tell you, today is the day, and that phone is ringing just for you today. And that phone ringing is the Holy Spirit drawing you, drawing you, saying, come, give your heart to Jesus. It says that, the Scripture says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. You're not alone. We have all blown it. But it says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that just basically says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life, that you are making a decision to make Jesus Lord. And if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, it says that you will be saved. Would you do that today? 
I'm going to ask in a moment for everyone to stand and, and, and I'm going to give an altar call, which basically means just to come forward if you need prayer. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, I want you to walk this aisle and come up here and I'll pray with you or some of my um, deacons or ministry people will pray with you. But today is the day. Don't go another moment. It says in God's word that your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life, that when this world ends, you will have a home. And that home will be in heaven and not in hell. Give your heart to Jesus this morning. If there are those that need prayer for healing, if there are those that need prayer for relationship, if there are those that need prayer for any situation, we want to pray with you this morning. Would everyone stand and those who are ministering come forward? We want to pray with you this morning. I want you to know that God is ready and able to meet your needs this morning. Would you walk this aisle this morning? Amen. Your blood speaks a better word.